Our New Testament passage today begins a new book. Now, Saturday and Sunday, you finish 2 Thessalonians by yourself. So today we pick up in 1 Timothy chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle, by the command of God, our Savior, and of Christ Jesus, our hope. Now, I want you to notice there, Paul did not choose to be an apostle. This was a command of God. God commanded him to be an apostle. So this is not a choice. Not by choice, but by obedience. And title of God, all right, here's a title of the Father. And these are things that, again, I keep lists of, all right? So I go back and I add these to my list. Title of the Father, title of the Son. Title of the Father is God our Savior. Title of the Son, Christ Jesus our hope. To Timothy, my true child in the faith. Wow. So we have the doctrine of sons in the faith. But notice he says, my true child in the faith. So in other words, there are many who claim. Many who claim and many who walk away. You wonder how many people had Paul trained and they just walked away. They just looked at Paul one day and said, you know, I don't want anything to do with you anymore. Now, probably the most difficult thing for a pastor is our relationship is like a parent with people that we develop and train. We have to pour our heart in with 100% love, but they don't have to be committed back to us. <laughs> See, pastoring is all about 100% one-way committed relationships, but people can walk away anytime they want. And I wonder how many sons of the faith walked away from the Apostle Paul so that he, he looks at Timothy and says, you're my true child in the faith. It's an amazing thought. He said, grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. He said, I urged you when I was in Macedonia to remain in Ephesus. All right. Now notice the word urge, not command. I urge you. Paul didn't control people, but he did urge them. You know, one of the things I've learned in leadership is if you have to command people, you don't really want those kind of people around you. If you have to bark at people because they won't do what you ask them to do nicely, you don't want them around. Now, Paul says, I urged you. Whenever I start to talk about sending pastors to different locations, I talk to them. I say, is this something that you would like to do? We were just talking with some of the pastors the other day about locations for next year. And I said, is this something that you would like to do? Are you in agreement with this? I don't like having to boss people. I like what Paul did. He said, I urged you when I was in Macedonia to remain at Ephesus. Paul had been the pastor at Ephesus. Excuse me, Timothy was the pastor at Ephesus. And he said, remain at Ephesus and for a purpose. So you remain for a purpose. All right. The purpose of staying there is that you may charge certain persons not to teach any different doctrines. 
Now, in, in every church, there are people that want to walk in. There are staff that want to rise up who want to teach different doctrines. No, I disagree with you. This is what I'm going to teach. And Paul said, Timothy, sometimes you have to charge these people. Now, charge is a very strong word. He said, you charge them not to teach a different doctrine. A church can have one set of doctrines. He said, nor, so number one, charge them not to commit themselves and teach other doctrines, nor, number two, to devote themselves to myths, number three, and the Indus genealogies. He said, listen, they're, they're getting caught up in all this silliness. He said, you've got to command them to stop that. Sometimes you have to look at people in the church and say, no, you're not going to teach that here. Okay? He said, now there's a reason for that. He said, these different doctrines, myths, and Indus genealogies promote speculations rather than the stewardship from God that is by faith. Now, remember the stewardship. We have the stewardship of grace. We have the stewardship of the gospel. We have all these things that we have been given stewardship over. He said, now, you know, when people are off in these speculations and they're off in these new little doctrines, and usually people want to start a new doctrine because they want to create a little group where they attract people to themselves. So they want something unique about themselves. He said, but, that, you know, being a pastor, being a teacher, it's not about being unique. You know, you've got stewardship of some doctrines. You've got stewardship of truth. He said, the aim of our charge is love that issues from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. All right, now, love must flow from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. That is the source of real love. Now, I'm not talking about sex. That's eros. That's a different kind of love. I'm not even talking about, you know, sweet little feelings toward people. But real, genuine agape love flows from a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith. That's where love flows from. Certain people, by swerving from these, have wandered away into vain discussion. Now, what did they swerve away from? They swerved away from a pure heart, a good conscience, and a sincere faith. Now, notice... It says they swerved away. Rather than engage a pure heart, a good conscience, and sincere faith, they kind of turned away from them. They swerved, like you'd swerve a car, swerve a motorcycle to miss something. And when you swerve away from these three things, you begin to wander. <laughs> now, wandering leads you into vain discussion. You sit around and talk about nonsense. That, that doesn't change anybody's life, okay? When you wander away, you get into vain discussion. You're talking a lot about theology. You're talking a lot about the things of God, but nothing is really relevant. Desiring to be teachers of the law. Now, notice Paul said he was commanded. For them, it's just a desire, okay? Desiring to be teachers of the law. Now notice, teachers of the law, not the gospel. These people were wanting to go back and become teachers of Jewish legalism. Desiring to be teachers of the law. Without understanding either of what they are saying or the things that they make confident assertions. So Paul said, 
we have Gentile Gentiles who've gotten saved and now they want to teach the Old Testament law. He said, they don't understand the things that they're saying or the things about which they make confident assertions. Now, this word confident assertions here is fascinating. He said, you know, these guys didn't grow up knowing anything about the law of God. He said, but now they're standing up wanting to be like a Jewish teacher of the law. Rather than be a preacher of the gospel, they want to be a teacher of the law. And he said, they walk around talking about things that they don't understand. He said, but you know what? They are so confident. They are good presenters. Now, we know that the law is good. This is the old covenant law. If one uses it lawfully, understand this, that the law is not laid down for the just, but for the lawless and the disobedient. This goes back to our Romans teaching on the purpose of the law. For the ungodly and the sinners, for the unholy, the profane, for those who strike their fathers and mothers, for murderers, for the sexually immoral, men who practice homosexuality, enslavers, liars, perjurers, and whatever else is contrary to sound doctrine. So the law is meant to challenge people who are into all kinds of sin and everything that is contrary to sound doctrine. Now notice, contrary to sound doctrine, in accordance with the glorious gospel. So Paul brings these guys and say, you know, for you, it's all about the law. 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 He said, for me, it's all about what is in accordance with the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. So he said, you know, they're trying to go back to Judaism that I got saved out of. The law brought me to Christ. This is what Paul teaches. The law was our pedagogue. It brought us to Christ. He said, now they're wanting to walk back away from Christ and go back to the law. Ridiculous. I thank God who has given me strength. All right, so God gives strength. Christ Jesus, our Lord, because, why did God give him strength? Because he judged me faithful, appointing me to his service. Now notice, we have command up here. We have these guys desiring, and we have Paul again being appointed. Paul said, I didn't go take this office on myself. He said, he judged me faithful. Now, here's something I want you to think about for a minute. You know that passage where many are called, but few are chosen? And you know how there were hundreds of people who were called the disciples of Christ who followed him. But when it came time, he chose the 12. Now, Jesus did not just make arbitrary choices when he chose people for the service. He judged me faithful. When people can't be a faithful connect group leader, I don't believe that they're ever going to be a faithful pastor. Ah, if people can't be a faithful usher, they can't be appointed to higher positions of responsibility in the body of Christ. Faithfulness. So what I teach people is, you know what? Be faithful. Be faithful. With, with what you know, be faithful. With the responsibilities that you have, be faithful. And God looks upon faithfulness, and God says, all right, 
I, I know we are chosen by grace. I know that we receive these offices by grace. But at the same time, God is looking for something in us. He doesn't need our ability because he can give us ability. But he is looking for faithfulness. This is why I look at young pastors who are lazy. And, you know, it's amazing to me how lazy preachers always want somebody to give them a big church. Oh, I want to go. I want that church. I want to do that. I want this position. And I go, you know, we don't just. Why? Why would you even think that that God should give that to you when you can't even be faithful? with the phone calls that you're supposed to be making right now. Now, I would tell every pastor out there, if you want God to appoint you to stronger positions and more responsible positions in the body of Christ, work on your faithfulness. Do the very best. Like I keep talking about this one pastor, and and I don't ever use his name because I don't want to embarrass him, but every morning, you know, he comes up on my Facebook page Seven days a week since this COVID lockdown started, small church in the province, but every single day that man is talking to his people. Now, obviously, he doesn't have the best equipment. Obviously, he, he, he does not have a lot of anything. But you know what he has a lot of? He has a lot of faithfulness. And I look at a man like that and I just go, man, double salute. This is a man that God will appoint in his service. Ah, faithfulness. He said, even though I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent, he said, but I received mercy because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. Now, you know, everybody has a past. Even kids that grow up in church have a past. I mean, please, I've been your pastor for over 40 years, okay? People have a past. I mean, I look at even at church kids growing up, and I know all of their sins growing up as young people. And some people say they're not qualified for the ministry because look at their past. And I look at people and I go, excuse me, everybody has a past. That's what forgiveness is all about. So Paul said, man, I was a blasphemer, a persecutor, and an insolent opponent of God. He said, but I received mercy. (laughs) I received mercy. Every one of us has received mercy. Some of you, you have a call of God on your life, but you're looking at your past and you're thinking that your past disqualifies your future. And it does not. This this is what forgiveness, this is what mercy is all about. He said, I received mercy. Ah, because I acted ignorantly in unbelief. Ignorance and unbelief. When you combine... This is a bad combination, all right? (laughs) This is a bad combination. Ignorance and unbelief. Those are are bad combinations for decisions. Now, but at the same time, because of his ignorance and unbelief, God had mercy on him. You know, willful sins are a different thing. You know, when people, people know the truth and they still go out and do things, and they still go out and say the things they say, there's no mercy for that until repentance. He said, the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ. All right, so here's in Christ. What do we find in Christ? We find faith and we find love. But notice the first part of that phrase. Paul said, 
Look at how I've screwed up my life. But the grace of our Lord overflowed <laughs> for me. The grace of our Lord will overflow for you today. You have to understand this. Grace doesn't come to you in an eyedropper carefully measured out. Grace is poured out on you. <laughs> the grace of our Lord overflows. I, I just want you to understand. The grace of God is overflowing for your life right now. Just, just sit there and think about grace. Sit, sit down thinking about grace just overflowing over your life. Just great waves of grace overflowing your life. This is the picture that Paul has in his mind. This saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance. All right. So he said, you, you, can, you can get a hold of this. He said that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of which I am foremost. He said, you know what? Here's something you can, here's something you can go to the bank about. He said, Christ came into this world to save sinners. <laughs> He didn't come into this world just to give people a better life. He came into this world to save sinners. He didn't just come into this world to prosper you and, and heal you and, and, and do all kinds of wonderful things for you. And all of that is wonderful. He came to this world to save sinners. He said, of which I am the foremost. <laughs> and again, everybody has a past. He said, but I received mercy for this reason that in me, as the foremost, Christ Jesus might display his perfect patience. Oh my goodness. Have you ever just sat down and meditated on that? Paul said, in my life, Christ has displayed his perfect patience. Now, if you're like me, we don't have perfect patience, okay? I mean, our patience has tremendous limitations. But with Christ perfect patience. You've never met anybody so wonderful in your life as Jesus. He said, I received mercy. He said, and you know why I received mercy? Because in me, Christ wanted to showcase something. <laughs> he said, in other words, if God could be patient with me, he can be patient with anybody. He said, he wanted to showcase He wanted to showcase patience. He said, I received mercy because in me, the foremost sinner, Christ Jesus might display or showcase his perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in him for eternal life. People said, Paul said, people can look at me and they can see if God can save him, if Jesus can be patient with him, he can do it for me. We are all showcases of his perfect patience. Oh, beloved, you, you, you got to just sit down and get a hold of that. I, I'm so tired of Christians trying to act like, you know, they never did anything wrong in their past and they had this perfect little sweet path. I, I'm so tired of that whole style of Christianity because it, it doesn't give any hope to the sinner. When, when, we, when we just sit there and say, you know what? My life was a mess and I received overflowing grace and I received mercy to display his perfect patience. And you can too. Ah, I love, I just love the word.
to the king of ages. Oh, here's a title of God. That's one of my lists that I keep. The king of the ages, immortal, invisible, the only God. Be honor, glory forever and ever. Amen. This charge I entrust to you, Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies previously made about you, that by them you may wage a good warfare. He said, now, Paul said, there's been some prophetic utterances over your life about your future. And he said, you know, in accordance with God's guidance, okay, so we can, we can call this God's guidance. He said, in accordance with God's guidance. Now, please, there are so many people that walk up to me and said, God said this and God said that. And the more people said God said, the less I believe them, all right? But I believe this. Timothy, my child, in accordance with the prophecies made about you, not, not what you thought you heard God say when you ate too much balut or you were trying to justify your own sins, that by them you may wage good warfare. You are only going to be able to wage good warfare following the guidance and the instructions that God has laid out for your life. Holding, holding faith and a good conscience. By rejecting this, by rejecting faith and a good conscience, some have made shipwreck of their life. Now, forgive me, rejecting faith is foolish. You know, you hear all these preachers today and you hear these Christian singers, so-called Christian singers, standing up and saying, I've, I've lost my faith. Well, no, you don't lose your faith. You, you reject your faith, okay? You got to hold on to faith. In the midst of the storm, you hold on to your faith in God and you hold on to a good conscience. You, you don't cover up things. You're honest about things, okay? And a good conscience. By rejecting this, some have made shipwreck of their faith. Among them are Herminius and Alexander, whom I've handed over to Satan, that they may learn not to blaspheme. Wow. This is scary. I mean, th this is just scary. I mean, okay, we're going to take the hedge of protection off of Herminius and Alexander. Satan... You may have free reign in whatever you do to their lives. They have to be taught how not to blaspheme. Wow. But they rejected their faith in God. They rejected a good conscience. This is scary stuff. All right, let's open up our hearts and spend some more time in worship. This is a song for everyone Doesn't matter if you think you're too far gone You know you can come back home All this roaming, the reunion Inviting me and grooming To the party, party Mercy's open up the door So what you waiting for? Let's get it started Welcome to freedom Forgiveness Redemption And a hope on
Testament passage today picks up in Jeremiah chapter 23. Now remember, this is a young man. Uh, I was reading again yesterday. Some scholars have him 16, 17 years old. Some have him some age 16 to 20. This is a young man prophet. And now he begins to challenge spiritual leadership within the nation. Jeremiah chapter 23, verse 1. Woe to the shepherds who destroy and scatter the sheep of my pasture, declares the Lord. So now we're going to get into bad pastors. Now, there are pastors who, forgive me, all they do is destroy and scatter. They have no desire to, to hold people together. They want everybody to follow them, and because they are divisive, they destroy and they scatter. And God says, woe to them. Therefore, thus says the Lord, the God of Israel, concerning the shepherds who care for my people, you have scattered my flock, you have driven them away, and have not attended to them. Now notice, bad pastors scatter the flock. They're not interested in keeping people together. They're not interested in calling people during COVID-19. They're not interested in visitation. They're not interested in getting people in church services. They're interested in having somebody follow them. So they scatter the flock. They drive them away from where the people are to be gathered in the sheep pen. And they thirdly have not attended them. Okay, They, they don't care anything personally about caring for the people. They, they want a crowd, but they don't care about people. 
He said, Behold, I will attend to you for your evil deeds, declares the Lord. Wow. Therefore, I will gather. See, now notice God gathers. God gathers the remnant of my flock out of all the countries where I have driven them. And I will bring them back to their fold, the land of Israel. And they shall be fruitful and multiply. I will set shepherds over them who will care for them. All right. So God says, I'm going to choose new pastors for Israel who will care for them. All right. Now here, this is what God wants. God wants pastors who will care for people. We're not businessmen. We're shepherds. And the purpose, or let's call it the fruit of being cared for, is they'll fear no more, they won't be dismayed, nor shall there be any missing, declares the Lord. Behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when I raise up for David a righteous branch, and he shall reign as king and deal wisely and shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. In his day, Judah will be saved, Israel will dwell securely, and this is the name by which he will be called, the Lord our righteousness. This is Jesus, all right? I'll raise up for David a righteous branch. This is all talk. These are prophecies about Jesus. Therefore, behold, the days are coming, declares the Lord, when they shall no longer say, as the Lord lives who brought up the people out of the land of Egypt, but as the Lord lives who brought up and led the offspring of the house of Israel out of the north country and out of the countries where he has driven them. Then they shall dwell in their own land. This is happening now. This is in our day. Jews are coming out of Europe, Eastern Europe, and out of all the countries. I mean, if you go to Israel, you'll hear the Jewish people talk about making Aliyah. Now, Aliyah just means to return. They, they are returning to the land. And so, for instance, I, I, I look at, at people that we do business with over there. Uh, for instance, I, when I talk to Brother Benny, who heads up the, who owns the tour company that we deal with, uh, his family is from a, a, a Kurdish background. So he likes Kurdish food, and I've eaten it. It's really good. And then you, you've got Marcia, or Marcy, Marcia. Uh, her family has all been living in Brazil for years. And then you've got people like Eli, who was a stockbroker in, in, in New York. I mean, you, you, every place you go in, in Israel, you find Jews who have come back from all over the world. You know, a lot of the security guards are, are Jews who have returned from Ethiopia. And they're, they're Jewish now. They're black, but they're Jewish, okay? You know, not all Jews have olive skin and a big nose. I mean, people have these stereotypes about Jews that it's just forgive me, it's prejudiced and bigoted and it's just not right. You'll find snow white Jews and you'll find black Jews and you'll find brown Jews and you'll find everything in between because they've been scattered across the world and they're all coming home. It's, it's, it's just beautiful to see this, this beautiful collage of people that are Jewish. You know, it's, it's just, oh, this is the fulfillment of these verses, okay? And people are beginning to say, the Lord brought us out of the North Country. The Lord brought us, the Lord brought me home from Brazil. The Lord brought me home from South America. The Lord brought me home from America. The Lord brought me home from uh, Kurdistan or Pakistan or, or, or Siberia. 
the Lord brought us home. It's, it's a beautiful thing to see. He said, now concerning the prophets, okay, here's spiritual leaders again. My heart is broken within me and all my bones shake. I'm like a drunken man, like a man overcome by wine because of the Lord and because of his holy words. The land is full of adulterers. Because of the curse, the land mourns. The pastures of the wilderness are dried up. Their course is evil and their might is not right. Both prophet and priest are ungodly. Even in my house, I have found their evil, declares the Lord. Now, this is one of the things that really, as you can see, really affects God. And it affects a true prophet of God. That when prophets and priests are ungodly, and even in God's house, you find their evil. Now, now think back to the sons of Eli. They were having sex with women inside the curtained area of the of the, the tabernacle in the wilderness that was, was set up at Shiloh. I mean, there's so much. When, when preachers become ungodly, and then they bring their sin. The devil always wants that sin brought into the house of God. The, the devil always wants to defile the house of God. Therefore, their way shall be to them like a slippery path in the darkness. They shall be driven and fall, for I will bring disaster upon them in their year of punishment. Now, this is a hard thing. And I, I've watched spiritual leaders get into this, where they get ungodly and start bringing sin into the house of God. Um, their paths are slippery paths and it's slippery paths in darkness. So they don't know where they're going. They can't respond to what's ahead and the path is slippery. It's, it's a very dangerous time. In the prophets of Samaria, I saw an unsavory thing. Again, we're dealing with prophets. They prophesied by Baal and led my people astray. So, all right. So they have the wrong source of prophecy. But in the prophets of Jerusalem, right, notice Samaria, that would be the, the ten tribes area. Jerusalem, that would be the two tribes area. The prophets in Jerusalem, I've seen a horrible thing. They commit adultery and they walk in lies. They strengthen the hands of evildoers so that no one turns from his evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me and its inhabitants like Gomorrah. All right. So notice, notice these prophets. They, number one, they commit adultery. They're living bad sexually. Number two, they walk in lies. You know, they, they, they just walk in lies. They're, they're full of lies. Number three, they strengthen the hands of evildoers. Did you hear that? They strengthen the hands of evildoers. People, people who are not living right, people who are are doing wrong things, they strengthen their hands. They support them. They gather them to themselves and give them credibility. Wow. So that no one turns from his evil. Now, you know what? Sometimes you just have to correct people and deal with things. And you know what? They leave. But when they leave, it's interesting how the bad ones, the, the sinful preachers, they gather them up, give them credibility. They strengthen their hands so that no one turns from his evil. See, the purpose of correction is to turn people from evil. All of them have become like Sodom to me, and its inhabitants like Gomorrah. Therefore, thus says the Lord of hosts concerning the prophets, Behold, I will feed them with bitter food, and I will give them poison water to drink, 
For from the prophets of Jerusalem, ungodliness has gone into all the land. All right? So sin flows from bad preachers. Wow. The gospel can flow. The good news, righteousness, the words of God can flow from good preachers, but from bad preachers who have turned into their ungodliness. He said that they're going to become a source. Ungodliness goes out into the whole land. You know, when, when you see a nation turning to sin, please forgive me. We have a preacher problem. Now, I know pastors hate it when I say that, but come on, guys, let's be honest with ourselves. As pastors, we're not perfect by any stretch of the imagination. But pastors, please, we have to live right. Because when we don't live right, we become a source of ungodliness that goes out into the congregation, that goes out into the nation. Thus says the Lord of hosts, do not listen to the words of prophets who prophesy you, filling you with vain hopes. Now, you know what? One of the things you will always hear about bad preachers, <laughs> what I've learned, bad preachers, bad living preachers, always have a positive message. Bad preachers always have a positive message. They always fill people with vain, empty hope. They speak of visions of their own minds, all right? So their source is not God. Their source is their own mind, not the mouth of the Lord. They, they sit around and think, okay, how can I make people listen to me and put a thus saith the Lord on this? They say continually, this is not just a one-time thing, to those who despise the word of the Lord, it will be well with you. Now notice. People who despise the word of the Lord, again, they have a positive message. And to everyone who stubbornly follows his own heart, they say, no disaster will fall upon you. Again, they have a positive message, a positive message for people who are living, despising the word of God, stubbornly following their own hearts. They speak positive messages to. They do not speak words of correction. For who among them has stood in the counsel of the Lord to see in his hear word? Or who has paid attention to his word and listened? All right, here's the problem. This is the problem with bad preachers. They don't stand in the counsel of the Lord and they don't pay attention to his word and listen. Behold the storm of the Lord. Wrath has gone forth, a whirling tempest. It will burst upon the head of the wicked. The anger of the Lord will not turn back until he has executed and accomplished the intents of his heart. In the latter days, you will understand it clearly. In other words, all right, we have progressive understanding. And this is the truth you need to get a hold of. You're not going to understand everything God says right up front. You learn it more and more. I did not send the prophets, yet they ran. I did not speak to them, yet they prophesied. But if they had stood in my counsel, then they would have proclaimed my words to the people. All right, here's this stand in the counsel of the Lord. They would have proclaimed my words to the people, and they would have turned them from their evil way and from the evil of their deeds. All right, 
So, a pastor's role changed lives. If I can get my pen to work, there we go. I am a God at hand. <laughs> wow. I am a God at hand, declares the Lord, not a God far off. Did, did, did you hear that? Talk about a gem jumping out. Right now, God's next to you. He said, I'm a God at hand. That literally means I'm next to you. I'm not a God far off. Did, did you hear that? God is not watching us from a distance. He said, I'm a God at hand. He's right there with you right now. Oh, I love it. Can a man hide himself in secret places so that I cannot see him, declares the Lord? Do I not fill the heaven and the earth, declares the Lord? <laughs> Look around, you can't see it. But God is filling the room that you're in. Look around, you can't see it. But God has filled up the bathroom, filled up the kitchen sink, filled up your chair, filled up your sala, filled up your bedroom, filled up the street in front of your house or in front of your condo, filled up the elevator that you're going to go get into. Ah! I fill the heavens and the earth. I have heard what the prophets have said who prophesy lies in my name, saying, I have dreamed, I have dreamed. You know, everybody wants to use God's name. Have you ever noticed how rarely I say God said? Have you ever noticed that? You see, when you say God said, nobody can say anything to you because now it's, you know, God said. And people, people use this as a shield so that people will not challenge their decisions. Well, God said. Yes, but your decision doesn't make any sense in light of the word of God. God said. Yeah, yeah, yes, but here in the scriptures, this is clearly wrong. God said. Well, but this goes against everything that you've ever been taught. But God said. Okay. He said, you know what? They prophesy lies in my name. How long shall there be lies in the hearts of the prophets who prophesy lies, who prophesy the deceit the deceit of their own hearts. So when we go through this passage, and you can pull all of this out later, when you go through this passage and you see these, these prophets who prophesy their own vain imaginations, their own thoughts of their own mind, these are lies and they're the deceit of their own hearts. Now, now this is getting into some scary territory who think to make my people forget my name by their dreams that they tell one another, even as their fathers forgot my name. So here is the true goal of bad preachers. Forget God's character. Remember, name means the character of God. Forget God's character. Forget who and all that God is. You focus on me. Forget who all that God is and says. You focus on me. Mm. 
Let the prophet who has a dream tell his dream, and let him who has my word speak it faithfully. What has straw in common with wheat, declares the Lord. He said, you know, Jeremiah, you may be reticent to prophesy in my name because these other people are prophesying and you know their prophecies are false and you feel embarrassed to be a prophet. But he said, you know what? Let him who has my word speak it faithfully. He said, straw has nothing in common with wheat. He said, Jeremiah, you're wheat. You're the real deal that will provide food for the people. Is not my word like fire, declares the Lord, and like a hammer that breaks rock in pieces? Therefore, behold, I am against the prophets, declares the Lord, who steal my words from one another. <laughs> Here's another characteristic of bad pastors. They don't write their own sermons. They, well, let's not put it like that. Let's put it like this. They are not a source. They steal my words from one another. All right, now you got to take this back up here to they don't stand in my counsel. So you got to take that back up here to um, verse 18. They don't, they don't come in prayer before God. They don't get on their knees and, God, what, what do you have for me to teach the people? No, they go to great God Google and, and, and steal sermons offline that somebody else has waited before God for. That's all they have because, forgive me, they are not a source. They have no spiritual life flowing out of them. Behold, I'm against the prophets, declares the Lord, who use tongues, declares the Lord. Behold, I'm against those who prophesy lying dreams, declares the Lord, who tell them and lead my people astray by their lies and their recklessness. Notice, they lead people astray by lies and by recklessness. Ah, you, you see, that's the other thing you have to learn about bad preachers. They have a positive message, but they're also bold. They lead people away astray by recklessness. They're just reckless. They're just, they just slash and burn. They don't care who they hurt. They're not thinking about the future. They're just going to do what they want to do. They're reckless. He said, I did not send them or charge them. So they do not profit this people at all, all right? So the people, no benefit. These preachers bring no benefit to the people. When one of this people or prophet or priest asks you, what is the burden of the Lord? You shall say to them, you are the burden and I will cast you off, declares the Lord. And as for the prophet, priest, or one of the people who says the burden of the Lord, I will punish that man and his household. Thus you shall say, Every one of you to his neighbor and everyone to his brother, what has the Lord answered or what has the Lord spoken? But the burden of the Lord you shall mention no more. For the burden of every man's own word, and you pervert the words of the living God, the Lord of hosts, our God. Thus you shall say to the prophet, what has the Lord answered you or what has the Lord spoken? But if you say the burden of the Lord, thus says the Lord, because you have said these words, the burden of the Lord. When I sent to you saying, you shall not say the burden of the Lord. Therefore, 
Behold, I will surely lift you up and cast you away from my presence. You are the city that I gave to you and your fathers. And I will bring upon you an everlasting reproach and perpetual shame that shall not be forgotten. Now notice, God gets a real attitude with people who say, he's a burden. <laughs> God gets a real attitude with people who claim that following him is a burden. Now, that's some pretty strong stuff we went through today, all right? I mean, we're, we're looking at some really, really strong stuff in here. But you know what? We have to read all of the Bible. And as you read all of it, life makes a lot more sense. All right. We're going to close out now tonight, please. First day of the week. Tonight, we start back into Romans at 7 o'clock. We'll see you then.